Thank you. Thank you all so much. Man, I have been here four weeks and I am feeling the love. So thank you so much. It is a really awesome thing to be worshiping with you today, and I'm really delighted that you've chosen to worship here with us today at Crosswalk Redlands. I'm really excited if you have joined us um, for our journey through Becoming Wise. If you are joining us for the first time in this series, that's okay. If you're joining us online and watching us from far away, we welcome you too, and I'm just so excited to worship with you today. If you've paid attention the last few weeks to the message from Tim and from Mike and from Sam, you know where we're at in the story. Man, they have brought us all the way from Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 4. (laughs) And today we're going to just dive right into Proverbs 5. It's not the end of Proverbs, uh, but it is the end of our series, so I'm delighted to share this last message with you today. So I'll try to do it justice and and my predecessors before me try to, try to do them justice as well. So we've learned in the past few weeks that we can draw wisdom from, from several things. And there's, there is, uh, there's wisdom in what God teaches us. When he reaches out to us, there's going to be something that we have to let go and give up. Because we can't carry the cross and our baggage at the same time. And we've also learned that wisdom is... Um, it's, it's more, um, more that we do our own, excuse me, more that we do God's will, eh, and less of our own will. It's really bad if I got that mixed up. <laughs> Wisdom tells us that ignoring the problem doesn't make it go away. It only makes it bigger. Wisdom has told us that God is in the character-forming business and not the circumstance-shaping business. Wisdom tells us that we don't need to be embarrassed or ashamed when we think we've been disconnected from God, separated from his love. That's why we need wisdom in community and connection and relationship with others. Now you're all caught up in Proverbs 1 through 4, so they could have just said that, and that's fine. (laughs) But really, we're all looking forward to community and connection and relationship with others. That's what we're all looking for. Researcher and professor Brene Brown actually says in her book, Daring Greatly, that we're hardwired to connect with others. This is what gives us purpose. This is what gives us meaning in our lives. And without it, we just, we're suffering. We don't feel connected. We don't feel um, like we're, we feel alone, basically. So it hurts. It hurts to be alone without this connection. And, you know, I can take um, an analysis of my own interactions and my own attempt for connection. So uh, let me give you an example of what I mean. Uh, Facebook, right? So this is where we go to find all of our friends and find all the news and find out what's going on. Is it still Facebook? (laughs) Did it change to something else? (laughs) Are we on a different platform now? I don't know. WhatsApp or... I really don't know. (laughs) I'm on Facebook, so there's that. So I go to Facebook and I am flip, 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 like flip, 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 flip. That is my interaction with my friends on Facebook. That's my interaction. And then when I get bored with like the pictures that I see there, I do the same exact thing on Instagram. Flip, 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 flip. It's the same pictures now because we're posting to both platforms the same pictures, same kind. I don't know. And then when I'm done with that, I go back to Facebook just in case I missed any new updates (laughs) so I can flip through those as well. Right? So, but 
is this really connection? Like, is this what we're about? Is this what we mean when we talk about being connected with each other? How can I be connected if I don't even like look through more than two pictures of your series? <laughs> How can I be connected if I don't even like watch your story? How do I be connected if I'm not even engaging with the content that you've put there? And how am I connected if I'm looking to Facebook for these things instead of to you as a person? How can we be connected? So here we are. We're at the end of our series, Becoming Wise. And I'm given the topic of Proverbs 5. Now, if you have opened your Bible at any point and read the headline, for Proverbs 5, then you'll know what I know. And that is, if you look to the heading, there's always a heading that like tells you this is kind of the topic you're going to read below. So the heading for Proverbs 5, if you look it up, my Bible, uh, I'm using the New Living Translation, my Bible says, heading, avoid immoral women. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay. So that's what we're gonna do today through the wisdom of Solomon. But I promise it's more than just the little, literal interpretation, the literal looking at this text. There's gonna be more to that. So that when you say, uh, avoid immoral women, okay, check, I'm not dating anyone, I'm not seeing anyone, I'm not doing anything, I'm not anything, we can still find something that's relevant and meaningful and that we can connect with. So that it's not just that. So Solomon, he is this wise scholar. We've been talking about the wisdom that he has, this like ancient wisdom that is collected in the book of Proverbs. And we've learned that this wisdom and this knowledge combined together helps us to avoid danger. Helps us to avoid danger. And I have to confess to you, I probably shouldn't, but I, I feel like I must, um, that when I got assigned this topic, avoid immoral woman, I swear, I hoped in my tiny feminist little heart that there was some other interpretation that I could use for this text. That there was some scholar out there that was like, what they mean is passing of wisdom from, uh, from the wise women in Israel to the young women in Israel, avoid terrible men. <laughs> or, or maybe it was something more like, um, like this wisdom uh, to men to, like, uh, to uh, respect boundaries and have like a courageous heart of protection for women. But, but as it turns out in this text, none of that was found in my research. But what I did find, what I did find in the study of Proverbs and what I did find in the study of this is the character of God revealed in ways that he wants to show us, to connect with us, and wants us to live in ways where we avoid danger and make connection and have these meaningful relationships. So, so the literal, the very obvious reading I'm going to go through that with you, and then we're going to just breeze on through the other parts that I want to get to. So Proverbs 5, we're in the New Living Translation, and the Bible, um, we talk about doing, avoiding false connections. And the first false connection that we talk about is avoiding the immoral woman, which I mentioned before. And so Proverbs 5.3 talks about this immoral woman and why Solomon gives this wisdom to his sons to avoid such a woman. And it goes like this, for the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, 
and her mouth is smoother than oil, but at the end, she is bitter as poison and in as dangerous as a double-edged sword, and her feet go straight down to death, and her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares about nothing about the path to life, and she staggers down a crooked trail, and she doesn't even realize it. So my sons, Solomon says, listen to me, and never stray from what I'm about to tell you. Stay away from her. You hear dads out there saying that? Stay away from her. Thankfully, my in-laws didn't tell my husband that, so that's good. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you'll lose your honor. You'll lose all of this to merciless people, everything you've achieved, and strangers will consume your wealth. Someone else will enjoy the fruits of your labor. And in the end, you're going to groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. And you'll say this, how I hated discipline. If only I hadn't ignored the warnings. Why didn't I listen to the teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to the instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. And I can imagine Solomon in all of his kingly glory, robes, riches, telling this to his sons. And it's not some like overly melodramatic way of telling it like I would do, but he's sharing this wisdom from his own experience, from the wisdom of others who've gone before him, and from the narrative of the story in his own life, from his own father David, from his own mother Bathsheba, from his own older brother that I'm sure he heard about that died in childbirth because of David's sin with Bathsheba. Solomon knows firsthand. So when he tells his sons, avoid this, he knows, because it's his family narrative. He knows the pain that he's talking about because he's seen it happen in his own family. So he's not just saying it for, because rules and laws and for the sake of looking pure or for the sake of looking righteous or as an instruction manual on how to collect points to get to heaven, if that were such a thing, but he does it because he knows when you put someone or something above your relationship with your spouse to fulfill you, it's a false connection and it's going to cause pain. He doesn't want his sons to experience that pain. He knows it. It's his narrative. It's his family story. And he's gained wisdom and experience and he passes that to his sons. So this is the obvious, this is the stated lesson. This is what my Bible has as its heading, avoid immoral woman. But there's two more lessons that I want us to learn from this wisdom that Solomon shares. So one of these is avoid false connection in your relationship with others. You know how I flip, 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 flip through Facebook? So... One day, I actually found something that was really interesting and relevant, and I clicked on it, and I opened it, and I'm really glad that I did. It's an excerpt from a book called The Gospel and Pornography. It was published in an online format from the Gospel Coalition, and it speaks directly to this idea of avoiding false connections with others. So bear with me. It's a kind of a chunk of a quote. So it says, consider for a moment the practice of reading or watching other entertaining or informational content. Our minds are hurried and frantic, which keeps our attention strictly on the surface of things. 
Any pleasure that comes from reading can be had quickly, especially in the online format, and then we give up on reading because it's boring. We skim articles and book chapters hastily, trying to consume the next bit of information. We jump from photo to photo to photo to photo while scrolling our phones in line at the store. It's like he's talking about me. We flip from channel to channel, awaiting the next spectacle that seizes our attention. Ours is a life in the shallows. And we rarely have to expend the effort required to contemplate any further than what appears directly in our line of sight. So we gorge ourselves on the surface and on the image and on shallow things until we finally and eventually fall asleep. <laughs> right? You ever fall asleep like <laughs> with your phone in your hand because you're scrolling through something? On... So you get it. And this idea that the author talks about is classically known as curiositas, or curiosity, as we know it and call it today. And it's this shallow, um, shallow, unsettled anxiety that pursues new things to look at and new things to gain our attention and new things to grab our minds and our eyes without ever really going deeper to see what that deeper thing is, without ever clicking on the article to read it and then making a, formulating a, a competent response to it. We never go any deeper than that. And not only is there a lack of depth in our search or in our curiositas, but there's a lack of depth in our own authenticity in what we share with others. You think I'm joking, but what does your no makeup selfie look like? Okay? It's got eyeshadow on and like, you know, some mascara. Or what about that um, hashtag woke up like this? How's that picture looking? Okay, the picture might look good, but the morning breath is not, so you can't even fool me with that. <laughs> Consider even the last time you spoke to a friend, right? And you heard their story, and you heard something that was frustrating going on in their life, or maybe difficulty that they were having in their relationship with their loved one, or maybe a loss that they had, or maybe, um, maybe just something really painful and deep that they shared with you. And then you go to their online existence, their online profile or whatever on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. And they look really happy because they just posted a picture from their happy vacation with that same person they just told you that they were breaking up with. False advertising, hello. Right, so why is it so hard to make these authentic connections? Why is it so hard to put yourself out there and be authentic and be real and say, this is actually what's going on and have it be consistent in all areas of our life? So Brene, Brene Brown, I'm gonna go back to her because I like her a lot. She has an idea about this. She says, we're all psychologically and emotionally and cognitively and spiritually hardwired for connection, for love and for belonging. Um, that's why we're here. That's what we were created to do. And it gives hope and purpose and meaning to our lives. And she goes on to describe what is hindering or what is preventing us from having this wholehearted relationship with other people. Shame. Shame, she says. Shame is that fear of disconnection. It's that fear about something that we've done or that we failed to do, something in our past that we're worried about getting out, maybe an ideal we haven't lived up to, maybe it's a goal we haven't accomplished 
that makes us feel unworthy of connection. It's that nagging feeling in the back of your mind that says, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough to be loved. Not good enough for belonging or connection. I'm unlovable and I don't belong. That's shame. And I guarantee Solomon had no idea about Brene Brown or Facebook or Throwback Thursdays or hashtag anything. But what he did know firsthand and very well is shame. He knew very well shame. And sure, he like built this beautiful temple and dedicated it to God. He portrayed great wisdom. As we know, Solomon was very wise and wealth and power beyond all of the previous kings in that kingdom. But he was also a king who sinned. He was also a king who sinned, and his sins included idolatry, marrying foreign women, which is Bible speak for someone who doesn't believe in God. He also sinned by turning away from God, ultimately, and that led to his kingdom being torn apart in the reign of his son. So from Solomon's story, we gain yet another lesson. Avoid false connections in your relationship with God. False connections in your relationship with God is called idolatry. It's when we put something else above God or when we put something else in the place of God in our lives as the most important. But using the context throughout Scripture, And what's revealed to us here about the character of God, we can understand the wisdom of avoiding idolatry. We can understand the wisdom of of turning away from these false connections with God. There's this story in Ezekiel, um, chapter 23. There's a story in Ezekiel, and it's a a tale of two sisters. It's a tale of two sisters. Um, And we read this story about these two sisters. They're, They're from the same mom. They grow up together. They have a happy, wonderful life. But then they turn away, and they turn, the Bible says, they turn towards prostitution. So we have two sisters who've turned toward the prostitution. And the very next line says, in the words of God, I married them. And if you're reading this, you're thinking, hold on a second. First of all, they're sisters, so that's more than one. Second of all, they're prostitutes, so that's two. And third, God does not marry people, right? But it's all this metaphor. It's all this conversation about relationship with his people that God is talking about. And as we keep reading, we understand that these two sisters are actually two cities. And it's a narrative that's played out in the Old Testament over and over and over and over again about God's people that he says, I'm in a relationship with you, turning their backs to him, putting idols in the place of God, building golden calves or whatever it is that come in the way between their relationship with God. And it's God saying, hey, come back to me. You've had enough now. Come back to me. Come back to me. So maybe we don't have idols in our homes. Maybe, maybe we don't have physical things that we put above God as like a thing to worship. But what are we doing with our relationship with God? What are the things that we're seeking outside of that relationship that we place as more important than God? And maybe we don't think about it as more important, but we show it with our actions or how we spend our time or what we look at or what we do or how we talk to other people. It's a pretty good indicator of these false connections with God, this idolatry. But there's good news. There's good news. 
Because for everything that Solomon told his sons, avoid this or don't do this, there is something that he told them to do. Do this. And something that we can learn, and that's having true connections in the three areas that we just talked about. True connection with your spouse, true connection with others, true connection with God. So the first of these, having true connection with your spouse. So very clearly, again, literally in the text, we read taking um, the New Living Translation back up in verse 15. It says, drink water from your own well. Share your own love with only your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the street, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve yourselves and never share it with strangers. Let your wife be the fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. May you always, always be captivated by her love which is an excellent practical application for people in relationships, right? So if you aren't in a relationship or this isn't where you're at, I can hear you saying, okay, Karen. (laughs) But here's the thing. Solomon compares these connections between spouses to something we can all relate to, water, right? How many of you had water today? Or water pressed through bean juice coming out of coffee? (laughs) So you had water. Okay. Water. It is vital. It is so important. And Solomon knows this, and that's why he compares this relationship to water. Water is so important. It is something that should be preserved. It is precious. It shouldn't be wasted. It should be used wisely and conserved and taken care of and kept pure and kept clean. So when you think about your own life in the same way, we know that this is, just more than a, this is more than just a marriage relationship. This is our time. This is our talents or the resources that we have. Use them wisely. This is the money or the efforts that we give or the skills we've acquired. Use them wisely. I'll tell you a great place that you can use the resources that you have with time or with money or with presence, and that's at Crosswalk Kids Programming. (laughs) Thanks. You can also use them at any ministry here at Crosswalk. You can also use them, God says, you should be using these gifts and talents and resources that you have, these precious commodities, for any good that betters the community, for any good that builds connection and teaches other people to love well. You can use it for any of these things. So, where does that leave us? We can do this. When we improve community, we talk about loving well. We have to talk about making genuine connections with other people. Can't just be flip, 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 like has to be deeper than that. It has to be deeper than just a curiosity of things on the surface. Going back to Brene Brown, she says, we are all hardwired for connection. Connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose. It's what gives meaning to our lives. So instead of just flipping through Facebook, just since you're already on the phone, like send your friend a text, check in on them and see how they're doing. 
Make a plan, a date for coffee or food or to connect or to go do something together where you can talk and get to know them. Or uh, you could actually pick up the phone and like call that friend too. You don't have to send a text. If you're like me, it might just go straight to voicemail though, sorry. <laughs> or you could go super old school and take out um, a piece of paper and write them a note and like thank them for something really awesome that they've done or who they are, or like connect in a way. You can show up at church and find ways to connect. You can meet someone new. You can reach out to someone who looks sad in the hallway. You can do all of these things to make genuine connections. And you don't have to be held back by the fear of not fitting in or not being good enough. I want you to look at the person next to you. You don't have to do anything, touch them, say anything. Just look. Just look. And look at the person next to you. They're pretty, nice. Tell them they look nice. Yeah, you look nice. Yeah, you, look, you do look very nice today. Thank you. The person sitting next to you feels the same way. We all want to connect. We all want to make that connection with someone else. We all want to be included. We all want to be involved. We all want to have that belonging and connection. And that's what Brene Brown speaks of. So we don't have to be afraid because the person sitting next to us feels the same way. They're hoping for connection too. And as we're talking about connections, we reach our third connection, this connection with God. We talked about that false connection before where we, where we have idolatry and we put other things ahead of our relationship with God. We talk about our relationship with God. And there's wisdom. And, and, and we talked about these two cities, Jerusalem and Samaria, that had, that had uh, turned away from God. And, and, and God said that they had been adulterous in their relationship with him because they had turned away from him. And this story is a story that's repeated over and over and over in the Old Testament. It's the people that God created, that he loves, that he cares for, that he cherishes, that are in relationship with him. And he says, you are chosen and you are my people, walking away from God and then coming back and then walking away, and then coming back, and then walking away, and then coming back. And so we see this story also in Jeremiah 3.14. And the New King James Version, I love how it, how it describes this. It's this plea from God. He says, return backsliding children, for I am married to you, and I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you shepherds according to your heart, to my heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So we have a promise. Remember, uh, do this, avoid this, and a promise at the end, because God always ends with a promise. He says, return to me, for I'm married to you, and I'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. And the promise is this that we can have these restored connections with God. We can have these restored connections with our friends and with other people and with our spouse. We can have that restored relationship. That's a promise of God. And so we end with chapter 5. Verse 21 says this, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins, there are ropes that catch and hold him, and he'll die for lack of self-control, and he'll be lost because of his great foolishness. And I know that not a single word there sounds like a promise from God. It all sounds pretty gloomy for us sinners. But this isn't the end of the story. 
It's the end of chapter five. It's the end of Solomon's direct wisdom here. It's the end of our series, Becoming Wise, but it is not the end of the story. The story continues in the words of scripture. The character of God is revealed in the life of Christ and in the stories of his people. And the promise is this, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, he takes us back. Isaiah 55, 6 is a reminder of this promise. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he's here. If you're wicked, change your ways. Banish the very thought of doing wrong. Turn to the Lord so that he can have mercy on you. Turn back to God because he will forgive you. Remember, he's married to us. He made a covenant with us. He'll always take us back. Return to me, he says, and I will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So at the end of every sermon in this series, I know that there's been a call to step away from the things that lead us in the direction of things that are not of God and move intentionally towards the things that are of God. This takes strength of character. We don't need to do it alone. In fact, we can't do it alone. But if you want to leave behind these false connections, if you want to leave behind these things in your past and make a real, true connection with your spouse or with others, but especially with God, I invite you to stand with me as I pray this blessing for you. Holy God, you are great and mighty. You are so patient and long-suffering with us that you take us where we are. You take us with whatever we've done and you say, I am married to you and I want you back because I love you with an everlasting love. Give us the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge that you have promised to us and bless all who hear this message. We thank you. We love you. And we pray this because we believe in your power to save. In your holy name we pray. Amen.